Hey guys, so glad you're joining us uh, this weekend. I'm Dan, one of the pastors here. One week till Christmas, so hopefully you're ready, right? If you're not, gotta hustle. Get, get, get whatever you need to get to get ready for Christmas, but we're gonna continue our Christmas conversation. I'd love for you to grab your Bible, go to Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one, and uh, I kind of like to read this together as we start our conversation today. Here's what it says. I'm gonna begin in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 says this, she'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. Just pray with me. Father, so grateful <laughs> that we get to interact this Christmas with your letter to us. My prayer is uh, for me and my friends online here that you would teach us today. God, that you would show us what you want us to see in a rather familiar story. And Father, that we would learn well, listen well, but God, that we would do so in a way that we would live different, that it would transform us. So God, I pray that you take this really, really familiar story at this time of year, help us to see it in a very fresh way, so that we might lean into you and hear from you in a fresh way today. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. No secret if you uh, have listened to much of what I've done. I love Christmas, right? And uh, hopefully you do too. I know for some of you it might be a challenging Christmas. I don't know. But I, I kind of want to take a Christmas poll. So I'd love for you to raise your hand, right? Uh, but, but a Christmas poll, because at Christmas time, there's a lot of different things, ways people look at it. For instance, when it comes to decorations, just I want to, are you a white light kind of person? How many, it's the white lights around your house. Uh, how many of you, it's the colored lights? Yeah, okay. Uh, they're kind of coming back in, right? We went out looking at Christmas lights the other day, and uh, we're more of the white lights, but uh, man, I really like the colored lights. How many of you artificial tree? <laughs> yeah? Live tree? Yeah, we went artificial. Uh, kids, allergies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, how many of you open gifts Christmas Day? Raise your hand. How many of you Christmas Eve? Yeah, I, you know, that blew me away. I grew up the tradition. We only did it on Christmas Day, not Christmas Eve. How many of you, I'm just curious this, take your decorations down the day after Christmas? Raise your hand. How many of you leave them up to at least January 1st? Raise your hand. How many of you leave them up to about March? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, here, here's one for you. How many of you are in-store shoppers versus online shoppers? Anybody? Love to be in-store? How many of you are online yeah, here's what's interesting about that. That's interesting this time of year because I will tell you, me personally, I hate shopping. I, I hate it as a kid. I just, I, I despise it. I hate going to the mall. I'm just going to tell you, right? Uh, so if you ever meet me and you're like, hey, you want to go to the mall again? I'll probably, I'll probably say, no, 
right? I don't know where it began, but even as a little kid, I used to hate when my parents would go to the mall, like, you know, Danny, we got to go to the mall. I'd be like, ah, do I have to? Can I stay home? I hated it. So if I have to choose between two evils of shopping, I'm going to choose online shopping. I think it's one of the greatest inventions ever, right? Uh, Because if you have to shop, I'd rather do it online than in the store. I, I love it because what you do is you look up all the options that you want, right? You choose it. You can even do a little research on it. And then you pay for it. Then you wait. And all of a sudden, what happens is Amazon Santa shows up with your gift. You bought it and there, boom, it's on your, like literally sometimes the next day. I don't really get how they do that. But I like online shopping. The reason for that came uh, uh, more clear to me uh, this week. My wife and I went out to eat and then we had to pick up a few things. And we were down in Canton. Canton, Ohio, for those of you who don't live in Ohio. And uh, I was blown away by the amount of people. It's like everybody's out. And I thought all the traffic and all the people, and it just reminded me of, of why I hated shopping, and particularly this time of year. And one of the things I, it reminded me of is, is I hate getting stuck in traffic and with all these people, right? Like I hate getting stuck in traffic. Anybody else with me on that? Like I just hate it. Uh, because I usually get behind the guy who when the light turns green, he still sits there, right? And I'm like, why do I blow the horn? Somebody might know me, right? And there's Pastor Dan blowing the horn, right? I hate being stuck in traffic. Uh, And I hate being stuck in line. Usually if if I'm in line, we go in-store shopping this time of year, I get in the line with the lady who asks every question about every item. And then before long, halfway through her conversation with the cashier, the cashier does what you hope she's not going to do. She pulls the little chain. Her light goes on. Now we got to wait for a manager and you're what? Stuck. I mean, it makes me weary. It makes me weary. Anybody with me on this? Anybody agree with me on this? I hate being stuck. Nobody likes being stuck. But being stuck in a line in Walmart is nothing compared to being stuck in a situation that you didn't ask for. It's nothing compared to being stuck in a day that you didn't plan, an illness that you couldn't prevent, maybe a relationship you can't get out of. It's nothing compared to being stuck in a year that is disappointing or maybe a a life that you did not dream about. (laughs) I don't like it any more than you. I'm a planner. Any planners? Raise your hand. You're a planner? I see that. Yeah. I'm a planner too. I like to plan. And I like it when things go as I plan. I like the budget. I have a calendar. And I do all that planning because I want things to go as I plan. And what makes me weary, I bet it makes you weary if you're a planner, is this. When something surprises my plan and my plan gets hijacked, disrupted, bamboozled, so to speak. I hate that, right? Because I like things to go as planned. I don't like to get stuck with my plans being hijacked. And that is particularly true at Christmas. I like when Christmas plans go as I plan. I'm not a big Hallmark movie guy. I mean, if you are, God bless you, that's awesome. But I would say this, when it comes to Christmas, I like for my Christmas to kind of roll out like a Hallmark movie, right? Everything turns out good. I like to have all the feels and everything goes just right and all the quaint environment and all that kind of stuff. I like that. I don't like surprises, disruption. I remember the first Christmas where I felt that. 
My wife and I were newly married and we spent all Christmas day in the hospital with her father. And I'm like, wow, this is different. And then we had little kids. And I remember my, my, my son, Joel, he's our oldest. We had traveled clear back to my mom and dad's in Pennsylvania. And we're going to spend Christmas day with them. And he got the stomach flu. And literally, we spent Christmas Day in the bathroom, him leaning over a toilet, right? Just losing his Christmas cookies. And at one point, he looks at me and he asks a, he asks a question that I'm like, wow, you got to be kidding me. I, I don't have an answer for that as your dad. But he asked me this question, and the question was this, Daddy, why would Jesus let me get sick on his birthday? I'm like, dude, I have no idea, Right? It reminds me of a movie. Maybe you've seen it. I'm not necessarily suggesting it. Don't send me an email about it if you don't like it. But it's a movie called Santa Claus. Uh, in that movie, a guy named Tim Allen, he plays a divorced man whose name is Scott Calvin. And he's at home Christmas Eve with his son. And they hear something on the roof. They go out to see what's on the roof. And if you've seen the movie, uh, Santa Claus on the roof. Uh, Santa Claus loses his footing and he falls from the roof and he dies in their front yard. And he leaves in his pocket a card that the person who finds the card, picks up the card, becomes the heir apparent to Santa Claus. In a matter of minutes, Scott Calvin, just a businessman, dad, goes from being a normal businessman, father, to being Kris Kringle. It's, it's, it's kind of a funny movie. The storyline's hilarious. Uh, and this unplanned curveball comes with all kinds of twists and unexpected turns that Scott Calvin never planned. He was stuck being Santa Claus. He's stuck, and it looks bad for him. He's not real happy about it. You watch the movie, right? He's stuck getting fat, and it's kind of funny. He's stuck wearing the funny red suit. Uh, he's stuck talking to reindeer. He's stuck living the secret life of Santa that nobody believes. Uh, he's stuck in a way that it affects his other relationships and makes them tenuous. But as you watch the movie, right, it's just kind of fun, entertainment, whatever. What looks stuck to him at first ends up being a setup for the adventure of a lifetime. An adventure of a lifetime where he eventually, all fiction, but he eventually saves Christmas for the entire world in the end. Now, before you send me the email, I, I've never seen Santa Claus, right? I, I'm, I don't worry about becoming Father Christmas or Chris Kringle unexpectedly. But sometimes things happen that we don't plan. Are you with me? Sometimes things happen that you don't plan. We find ourselves in a situation that we never saw coming. We find ourselves in a day we would never have asked for. We find ourselves in a life that we didn't choose and we're not sure how to get out of. We feel stuck and it makes us weary. I've said it this way before. If life were a major league baseball pitcher, its main pitch would be a curveball. And many times that curveball is going to come in high and tight. Life just can do that. Life can brush you back. It can knock you out of the box and make you weary trying to dodge the next curveball coming your way. I don't need to make the case. Uh, you guys know that just living the last couple years in our nation, in our world, right? We find ourselves in a whole new environment, a cultural moment. The last few years feel like this giant curveball. Some of you know this personally. Because this last year, a curveball came your way you never saw coming, and it was high and tight. Uh, for some of you, you're watching me right now, and um, I know who some of you are. We've talked. 
Uh, for some of you, you got a diagnosis this year that you didn't see coming, and man, it's rocked your world. For some of you, you're walking through your first Christmas divorced. You're like, man, when we made our vows, we said, I do, and it was forever, and you're saying, I really meant that. And this year, you're walking it alone because you've gone through the grief and the heartache and the of divorce. For some of you, it's not divorce that you're walking through, but you're walking through your first Christmas with, without that special someone, whether that's your spouse or another family member. And at Christmas dinner, there's a vacancy uh, around the table. For others of you, uh, this Christmas, um, you don't have the job that you had at the beginning of the year. Life had a way of throwing you a curveball. Some of you, he broke up with you and you began the year thinking, wow, I think we might get married, and now you're not even together. For some of you, your finances took a major hit for multiple reasons, and life threw you a curveball. What's interesting is the people in the first Christmas would have navigated the same weariness. <laughs> the first Christmas, if, if I were to be honest, was kind of the curveball of curveballs. It didn't happen void of people's plans. Sometimes we read it and we read it almost like a fairy tale, but the first Christmas story didn't happen void of people's plans and they had dreams and they had desires and wishes. And the first Christmas is all about their plans being changed. It's all about their desires getting thrown a curveball. Uh, can I beg you for the next 20 minutes or so, let them be real. Like pull them off the shelf Pull them out of your favorite song. Don't think of them as we three kings, the shepherds and tending their flock. And don't think of them as Mary and Joseph on the mantelpiece looking like a precious moment's Christmas. They're real people like you and like me. I mean, the wise men got thrown a curveball, star and prophecy. And now we've got to do a trip plan, 900 mile trip that we hadn't planned. The shepherds, they were just watching the sheep. Routine night, right? Bam, angel, glory of the Lord, multitude of angels. Everything changed. What about Zachariah and Elizabeth? We looked at them. Talk about your plans changing. They had just resigned the fact that no kids and they go into their retirement age, so to speak. And now all of a sudden, their parents, all of a sudden, she's going to mops. Mothers of preschoolers, you know? It's like everything changed. Mary, obviously, her plans changed. Young gal, virgin gal, not married gal, and now she's going to carry a baby. I think nowhere is that more poignant, though, than a guy I think gets overlooked in the whole story, and that's Joe, Joseph. Uh, when you look at the story, it's interesting to me. Here's what it says. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. I read that, and here's how I read it. Joseph was a man with a plan. Uh, he probably, most commentators would say at this time, is a young adult. I don't know, 19, 23 years old, somewhere in there, I, I, somewhere. He's pledged to be married, or she's pledged to be married to him. And in, in this particular culture, that kind of engagement would have been very binding. Uh, you can assume by that their plans were made, and their plans are serious. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, they had plans, and I think Joseph was a man with a plan. He had a plan to provide for her. He had a plan to be a good husband to her. I think probably part of his plan was we have plans to raise a family together. And here's what it says. It's interesting to me. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But look what it says. But. You got to circle that in your Bibles. But. I have it capitalized in yellow. Because every once in a while in life, see if you agree with me, a but butts into our life. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You ever have a but butt into your life? Like we were planning to go on vacation. But. <laughs> uh, we were planning on getting married. But. I was planning on retiring, but uh, we were planning on getting old together, but I had planned to finish school, but I mean, when it comes to our plans, that word but can butt into our lives at the most inopportune times sometimes. And here you have Joseph, he's a man with a plan, and then we got a but buttoned into his life. And what's it say? They were pledged to be married, but before they came together. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I beg of you, don't read this through your Christmas ears. <laughs> read this in color. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Joseph had a plan and a big butt butted into his life. Can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine Mary showing, hey, Joseph, uh, I'm going to have a baby. Can you imagine Joseph, man with a plan? He's like, you're right, Mary. I'm so excited. I, that's going to be awesome. We're going to have a family. I planned on it. We planned on it. Maybe even lots of babies, Mary. But, but first, let's, let's kind of work the plan. We're going to get married. And can you imagine then Mary looking and said, no, no, I don't think you understand what I'm saying, Joseph. I don't plan to be pregnant. Um, I am pregnant. That literally in nine months, I'm going to have a baby. Can you imagine Joseph's like, Say what? That, that wasn't part of the what? <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan. Can you imagine Joseph? He has to all of a sudden feel like all of a sudden he's stuck. He's stuck in a plan that he didn't plan. His plan got hijacked. His plan, they were pledged to be married, planned to, to, to be a good husband, planned to raise a, a family. His plan got bamboozled. His plan was all of a sudden interrupted. And, and this is no small change. I mean, it's not like she came to him and said, you know, I've been thinking, Joseph, instead of roast beef, we're going to have ham at the reception. That's not what she's saying. And, and don't miss what it says. It says, before they came together. Say that out Before they, for what? For, for dinner? Came together for a date? Uh, before they came together to discuss what they're going to have at the reception? Is that what that means? You know that's not what that means, Right? What does it mean? It means before they came together, before they had any kind of sexual union. That meant this. Listen close. Listen, I don't know if you've thought about Joseph this way. He was a man with a plan. His plan just got hijacked. His plan just got bamboozled. And he knew that the new plan that he just found out about, he, listen, did not, you ready, participate in. Because he knew it happened before they came together. Joe took biology, <laughs> and he had some questions. I would have too. He got some questions for his wife. Mary shipwrecked the plan, and she didn't just shipwreck the plan. She didn't keep her pledge. You tracking with me? Can you imagine? Joe, okay. He swallows hard. Uh, Mary, can you tell me who the dad is? Because I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I mean, he's a normal dude, right? Can you imagine Mary? Well, 
you see, Joe, it's kind of like this. The, the amazing thing, well, I don't know how to tell you this, but, well, you can't kill him. Uh, because, can you imagine? Because, well, well Joseph, it's kind of like this. Well, it's God. If you're Joseph, you're thinking, okay, shipwrecked the plan, didn't keep her pledge, and she's crazy. She's lost her mind. you got to be thinking that. I'm in a situation I didn't plan for, I didn't participate in, and quite frankly, the explanation that she's given me is quite hard to swallow. So you know what Joseph does? Guess what Joseph does? He does what, if you're a planner, you're going to get, you're going to recognize this. He does what any of us good planners do. He develops a plan. And so here's what it says. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He's a good man, obedient to the Lord, and yet didn't want to, he was kind. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was a good man, righteous, faithful. He had planned to do the right thing, and he very easily, at this point in the story, could have felt like a victim of circumstance. You ever feel like a victim of circumstance? He could have felt that way and he could have in his mind created some sort of justification to do the wrong thing in the wrong way. Isn't it easy to do that? When you feel like a victim of circumstance, you you can say, well, nobody would blame me. I think Joseph's there. He could have done all the wrong things at this point. He could have done the wrong way. It might have been justifiable, but Joseph's plans included doing the right thing the right way, even, listen, listen, even even if it wasn't the easy thing and even if it wasn't the preferred thing. He's going to do what was right in a way that was kind to Mary in the process. He was not impulsive though. Look at what it says. Circle this in your Bibles. But after he had considered this, circle that word, literally it means to ponder and mull over, that Joseph pondered his plan. He doesn't oversteer He doesn't react impulsively. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared. Now, if you've been following with the Christmas story, you know this, those pesky angels are always showing up. What? Changing people's plans. And such is the case here. Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Remember, Joseph made a plan to do the right thing in a right way. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God makes it clear to Joseph through the angel that there is another change of plans. That Mary is not crazy. That what you think might sound crazy is actually the Spirit of God has inhabited her, taken over, and that this child is from God. She's carrying a special child, Joseph. And you're part of a plan that is bigger than any plan that you made. In fact, it is a plan God wants to make clear that he has had in play for some time. Joe, I know this is not your plan A. In fact, if he's honest, Joe, I know this is not your plan B. And I know you didn't participate in it, and I know it seems really, really crazy at first glance. But Joseph, I'm working a plan And I've been working a plan, and my plan is much bigger than your plan, and quite frankly, it's better than your plan, because she'll give birth to a son. 
And you, Joseph, I want this to be the plan. You give him the name Jesus. And here's why. Because your change of plans and now joining and participating with my plan means that a son will come and he will save his people from their sins. And this is a plan I've been working for a while. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You're part of that big plan, Joseph. And they will call him Emmanuel, God with us, that this son that you'll give birth to, not only will he save his people, but he literally will be God in the flesh. Like Joseph, what started out for you as a situation that you felt stuck in, a plan of yours that got hijacked, was really the setup for an adventure of a lifetime that will lead to the salvation of many, many people. Man, when Joseph woke up, just stop, let him be real. I got, I mean, I don't know about you. I I just try to put myself in his shoes. I'm like, I need a strong cup of coffee, right? I mean, that's a lot in a few verses. When he woke up, here's what it says. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Don't miss that. Come back. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage. He was faithful. Didn't consummate until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him. He did exactly what God said. He gave him the name Jesus. Joseph made a plan. His plans changed. He made another plan. God changed that plan. And look at what Joseph did. Don't miss this. Joseph said yes to God's plan. Joseph said, they're like, okay. But before, like, that's too easy. But but before you make Joseph less than human, did you ever think about this? Saying yes to God's plan was anything but easy. In order for Joseph, like we read this, like, oh, the beautiful Christmas story. Now we can get together and sing a couple songs. That's not what, you shouldn't read it that way. Joseph said yes to God's plan, and it was anything but easy. Him saying yes to God's plan, guess what it did? It opened him up to public ridicule. Can you imagine him explaining this to his posse? Hey, Joe. uh, See, uh, Mary's kind of showing there. What's up? It's not my kid. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, it is, but it's not. I mean, can you imagine the public ridicule that he would have taken, the way the rumor mill, people looking like doing this, you know what I'm saying? Saying yes to God's plan was anything but easy. Uh, he is a young adult, 19 to 23, you know, however old he was, now has a pregnant fiance. Can we just say that's not easy? <laughs> like my, I was 27 when my wife I'd been married to for several years became pregnant. And, and I, nobody told me. Things change. <laughs> and I who knew? Like she had cravings for the subway seafood and crab. I'm like, hey, you know, Dan, at 10 o'clock at night, can you go get me one? I'm like, sure, sweetheart. Like, Joseph, they're not even married. Fiance. She's a young, young gal. She's pregnant. He would have to deliver the baby. Uh, some honeymoon, right? Talk about plans changing. 
I remember my wife and I were engaged. We made plans after uh, we were to get married. We were going to go on our honeymoon. To We wanted to go somewhere warm, hit the beach, so, somewhere we didn't think we might be able to afford later in life. So we, we had plans and saved up to go to Florida. Uh, we even had looked at Hawaii. And then my car broke down. And we had to take that money and buy a new car. And instead of going to Florida or Hawaii, we did our honeymoon in West Virginia. <laughs> I'm not, if you're from West Virginia, nothing against it. We had a beautiful time. Mountains are beautiful. Go change your plans. Imagine their change of plans. Hey, uh, sweetheart, I got you the honeymoon suite in the stall where the animals stay. And we're going to have a baby. Can you imagine? Like... Him saying yes to God's plan was anything but easy. And then just about when, so Joseph is like getting getting comfortable with like saying yes to God's plan and this is the new plan and I'm going to join with your plan. Just about when he gets comfortable with this new plan, guess what? I mean, I don't know how you read this story, but that's about when these wise guys show up. They create a commotion in Jerusalem. Remember that story? To the point where the king's dander gets so fired up that he wants to kill all the boys in the region two years old and under. So the wise men, they find, they find the child Jesus, but they're warned in a dream not to report back to Herod. And then what happened? God changes Joseph's plans again. Isn't it interesting? When they had gone, an angel of the Lord, those pesky angels changing plans again, appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The king's lathered up. And what's interesting about Joseph said yes to God's plan, and God, listen, God, this coming handy later, revealed his plan piece by piece. Sometimes I just wish God would show me the whole thing. Where are we going with this? It's not what happened here. Piece by piece. So what Joseph do? So he got up, took the child as mom. During the night, they flee. They left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled the plan of God that it said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. Saying yes to God's plan was anything but easy for Joseph. It meant his plans changed again. It meant that he would live life. I, I don't know if you've thought about this in the Christmas story. It gets overlooked. Joseph lives life with his family as a refugee. They flee. They're in Egypt. And if that's not enough, him saying yes to God's plan means this, that he is going to be the earthly father figure to God in the flesh. Wrap your head around that. That would be interesting and intimidating all at the same time. You as a dad or mom maybe ever said to your kids, like, who do you think you are? Like, you ever say that? Like, like they're standing you off or something's going on. Like, like or, or maybe they're telling you something and you're like, well, who do you think you are? Right? You ever say that to your kids? Can you imagine Joseph saying that to Jesus? Like, who do you think you are? Uh, God in the flesh. Right? I mean, let just let him be human. That's all I'm asking. He had no idea at this point in the story that we would sing songs about him, that we would have him on our mantelpiece, that we would be talking about him in 2022. But, listen close, lean in. But his yes to God's change of his plans and his yes to God's plan totally changed all of Joseph's plans 
And that would now be the plan. God's plan would be the plan to bring hope to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a fascinating story. Yeah, here's what it makes me think. Can we make some observations and be done? It makes me think some things. If you, you got a piece of paper, or maybe your phone, I'd write this down. Uh, I, and I'm sure I'm not alone, I can get weary when things don't go as I planned. Raise your hand if you know what I mean by that. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, I like it when my plans work, and I like to work my plan, and I think it's an awesome thing. In fact, I'm in a good mood if everybody got on board with my plan. Can I get an amen out there? Anybody with me? Like, I, I'm, I'm good to go. Everybody on with my plan? Like, we're good. And that includes God. In fact, I would say this, it's easy for us to relate to God this way. God, here are my plans, bless my plans. And when God doesn't get on board, when he doesn't bless my plans, then I can fr get frustrated. Uh, I can get discouraged. I can get cranky. I can get weary. Can I just tell you this? I won't bore you with the details. In 2022, God has not been on board with my plans. <laughs> I can't think of a single plan of mine that went as planned. I'm sure there is some. But it's been quite a year in all kinds of ways. Not the least of which for me was physically. I've shared some of that with you. Like, like this is a year where God is not following my plan. And I'm like, God, you're not following the plan. And it's as though God's like, yeah, I know. We have to change plans because I have a plan. You see, when I relate to God this way, it leads not to rejoicing, but to me being weary in the world. Planning is good. I'm going to keep planning. I think planning is even biblical. Plan. But I can count on this. There are times when things will not go as I plan. I can count on this. Life will throw me curveballs. If you just will grab that right now, it will change expectations as you run into life. In fact, God said, plan on it. Jesus had a half-brother. His name is James. He said, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that true? What is your life? You're missed here. Then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. What's he saying there? He said, sometimes life throws you a curveball. And he's saying, when that happens, I don't want you to be caught off guard. You don't know what your life's going to bring. And he's saying, I don't want you to oversteer. I don't want you to panic. I don't want you to overreact. In those moments, he's saying, I want you to listen. I want you to ask the question, what is God's will? And I want you to act in the moment as he reveals it. Piece by piece. If you know the good that you ought to do today, do it. Sometimes we're so, so caught up in trying to get the bigger plan. We're so caught up in the fact God's not kind of partnering with our plan. And what he's saying is, we get weary because God, you're not, things aren't going the way I planned. And we, we just, we live in a weary room. And sometimes he's working a plan that is way bigger than anything we imagined. Love this passage, Isaiah says, my thoughts are nothing like yours. 
My ways are beyond anything you could imagine. Like God's working a bigger plan. Like I don't think Joseph sat down when he got engaged to Mary and said, hey, imagine this big plan. Like they had big plans, but nothing like this. Like, hey, Mary, I think it'd be cool if we brought the Messiah into the world. And if you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, like they never talked about that. His plans are way beyond. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth and my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Like there is a bigger plan. You know, we were talking, there's so many ways in which this shows up. It showed up in my life over and over and over again. I remember in high school, all I wanted to do was go play football. I got hurt. I was so frustrated. God wasn't cooperating with my plans. I ended up going to a school in Indiana that I wasn't that thrilled about. And there's where I met my wife. Before I met my wife, I was dating this other gal. We were getting very serious. Sat in the car. I thought we we had talked about, well, I don't know, one day we may get married and talked about getting married. And I said, well, I I feel like God wants me to be a pastor. And I, I don't know that I'll make a lot of money. And she came from a lot of money. And she looked at me and she said, I can't do that. Broke up with me on the spot. I was devastated. I'm like, God, what happened to my plan? What happened to our plans? What happened? Like, talk about hijacked. I can tell you this. I am so glad she did. Thank you. (laughs) Because I married Jennifer, my, my life partner and friend. Here at the church, I remember standing in the parking lot when, uh, the, the building was in flames. And some of you know the name Pastor Bob. He's an older pastor here. And, and one of the first comments he made was this. I wonder what God's up to. Not like, oh no, the building's on fire. I wonder what God's up to. I wonder what the plan is. Life can throw you a curveball and it can threaten to knock you out of the box. Or you can at that point, listen, you can either jump out of the box or you can lean in. Listen more carefully. Look deeper. Say, what is the Lord's will? as he reveals his will piece by piece. Because here's the deal. Rejoicing in this weary world is something that I experienced by saying yes to God and his plan. In fact, I, I would say this. I didn't put it in here, but, but go ahead and write that down, and then I, I want you to add something. I think it's not just saying yes to God's plan, but I think it's predetermining right now. If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to say yes to God and his plan. Even if it's not my plan, even if it changes my plans like it did Joseph's three times, and even if it's not easy, it wasn't easy for Joseph to say yes to God's plan, I'm going to predetermine right now. I'm going to say, God, whatever it is, I'm going to make my plans, and sometimes my plans go as I plan, but sometimes my plans change. And God, whatever that is, and however you may change my plans, I'm going to say yes to you. Even if it doesn't feel good, it's not easy, even if it seems crazy, Because I believe this about God, your plans. I believe that your plans, your plans are all about keeping your promises and accomplishing your purposes. That's what I believe. Let me ask you a question. What if God changed your plans? And what if the reason he changed your plans, some of your plans have totally been changed. And what if the reason he changed your plans was to save you? For some of you, your plans changed, and that's how you got introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. For others of you, what if he changed your job so that you could bring that hope to someone? Maybe it's the person that you live beside. Maybe he changed your address. Maybe he changed your neighbors so that somehow you could bring hope to somebody who didn't hope. 
What if the medical journey you're on was so that you could impact somebody? What if the new challenge you're facing was so that you could meet somebody and introduce them to the one who's the hope of the world? How do I rejoice in the middle of my plans changing? I predetermined my yes to God because he's a good God. And what if the plan to me doesn't feel good as it's being rolled out? I had to I have to think. There's times when Joseph's like, what is so good about this? I'm reminded of this passage. I think it sometimes gets misused, but sometimes we get afraid of it. God, a good God, a faithful God, a God with a plan God, a God working his purposes and will keep his promises God. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I've written here in my notes, if it ain't good, he ain't done. If, if whatever the plan is that's working, if you're like, I, if it ain't good, he ain't done. And what he did for Joseph was this. He piece by piece revealed his plan. And Joseph piece by piece said yes to God's plan, even though it changed his three times over. Is God changing your plans? Keep making plans. The fact of the matter is some of us are weary because life keeps throwing us curveballs and we just wish God would get on board. And sometimes in the middle of that weariness, we miss rejoicing that God's working a plan that we could have never conceived. What's the plan that he's working in your life right now? Father, I'm so grateful that Christmas shows us that these are real people. They had real desires, dreams, and some of us, our plans have changed. And there's someone listening to me right now, my guess would be, that you've changed their plans so that they could hear the good news of Jesus and say yes to Jesus as Savior, Lord, and King. Say yes to Jesus as the one who died in their place for their sin. And you changed their plans so that they could meet somebody who could introduce them to Christ. And I'm so thankful that you did. And I pray that that would send them on an adventure in life that they could have never dreamed or imagined. For others, you've changed their plans and it's hard right now. But help us to predetermine yes to your plan in our life so that we would discern your will piece by piece and do what it is that you want us to do today in light of what we know your will to be in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.